Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof every fourth Wednesday of the month. We advocate for affordable, secure and appropriate housing. So listen up every fourth Wednesday from 6 to 6.30 on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Uh, welcome to the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR. I'm Shane McGrath from Housing for the Aged Action Group, or HAG as we like to call it, and I'll be with you for the next half hour. On today's show, we're talking about a new project addressing older people's housing issues in migrant communities. ABS statistics show that there are around 20,000 people from non-English speaking backgrounds over the age of 55 renting in Victoria, including around a third of the people that HAG works with, and approximately 2,000 homeless Victorians say they speak English not well or not at all. So how do we make sure that older people from a range of backgrounds have access to secure, affordable housing? Today, Gemma and Indy join me to talk about preventing homelessness in older, culturally and linguistically diverse communities. But first, a bit of HAG and housing news. We've been talking a bit on the show about the funding situation for HAG and other housing and homelessness services. Regular listeners will know that HAG has been anxious to secure ongoing funding for our Home at Last program, which assists older Victorians at risk of homelessness, and which has so far only been funded to the end of June this year. We've been asking people to write to uh, Federal Social Services Minister Scott Morrison to demand that he commit to ongoing federal funding for the National Partnership Agreement on Homelessness, and on Monday he did announce a commitment of $230 million over two years. That continues funding at its current levels, which is being reported pretty widely as a win for the sector or for homeless people, but actually we know that homelessness is a growing problem, so maintaining the 2014-15 funding for two more years without any indexation is actually a substantial cut in real terms. So it's an attack on homeless people, it's an attack on workers in the community sector, it's just not as bad an attack as we had been afraid might happen. And I guess that's maybe the best we could hope for from this sort of slow train wreck of a federal government. In any case, the specifics remain to be seen and our funding situation is still uncertain, but in some optimistic news, HAG will be meeting with Victoria's Housing Minister Martin Foley later this week and we're hopeful we'll come away from that meeting with a good result. Huge thank you to everyone out there who's contributed to our campaign. If you've sent in a postcard, if you've signed the petition online, uh, whatever you've done, it's your efforts that have gotten us this far. But please remember that we need to keep that pressure on uh, and for more information about how you can help, please have a look at our website oldertenants.org.au. That brings us to our regular feature, The Bad Landlord of the Month, and it's a bit of an unexpected one this time around, not because you don't think they're bad necessarily, but because you don't always think of them as a landlord, and that is, again, the federal government. Now, at the start of March, Attorney General George Brandis introduced what he called the Federal Circuit Court Commonwealth Tenancy Disputes Instrument 2015, which gives the Federal Circuit Court jurisdiction over tenancy disputes where one party is the Commonwealth. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you're a tenant of the federal government, uh, for example, someone in defence housing, 
Instead of any disputes about the housing going to your local tribunal, like any other tenancy matter would, uh, they now have to go to the federal circuit court. Brandis explained that your local state tenancy laws would still apply, but it would be the federal circuit court applying them, and he told the Joint Parliamentary Committee on Human Rights that the intention of the bill is not to remove any of the important protections of state tenancy law, but simply to introduce a new option for resolving Commonwealth tenancy disputes in a low-cost and easily accessible forum where jurisdictional arguments would not require consideration. Now, you might reasonably say, hang on, is the Federal Circuit Court really more accessible or affordable than the state-based tenancy tribunals? And the answer would be a big fat no. So how long do you think it took for the Commonwealth to use this new instrument to have a go at some of its tenants, try and drive them out without the protections they were entitled to under their relevant state laws? Well, it took less than a month for the Department of Infrastructure and Regional Development to apply to the Federal Circuit Court to terminate dozens of its tenancies in Badgerys Creek, New South Wales. Most of these tenancies were more than 20 years old, and under New South Wales law, the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal has to give those tenants at least 90 days before the termination date, uh, and in some cases can just flat out refuse to end tenancies that have been going for that long. But the Federal Circuit Court Commonwealth Tenancy Disputes Instrument allows the Federal Circuit Court to set any termination date it considers appropriate. So for being literally the only landlord in Australia that rewrote tenancy law specifically to make it easier to evict its own tenants and then claimed it was for their own good, you've got to give it up for our bad landlord of the month, the Federal Government. Uh, We're going to hear some quick messages now and then we'll be back with Indian Gemma. Oh no. Freeze, fellas, you're under arrest. What do I do? Um, call a lawyer? Hello, Fitzroy Legal Service. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you are arrested, you should make a no-comment interview. A no-comment interview? Yeah. Well, how do I do that? You say... No, no comment. comment! To everything? Yes, except your name and address. Every other question you should answer with no comment. So if he asks me what colour my shoes are, I say no comment? Yes, you say... No, no comment. comment! To everything? Yes, say... No comment. If you are arrested, exercise your right to contact a lawyer and say no comment. Fitzroy Legal Service proudly supporting 3CR. (laughs) 3CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out, to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. All right, uh, you're back on the HAG show. Uh, my name's Shane and I'm joined now by Gemma White from HAG and Indigit Jassal from the Community Reference Group for a new project that we're going to be talking about. Thanks, both of you guys, for coming in. No problem. Thank you. All right. So maybe you could start by telling us a bit about the project, which I think is Preventing Homelessness in Older Cold Communities. Yeah, that's right. So our project is a joint initiative between the Ethnic Communities Council of Victoria and Housing for the Age Action Group. And the project is funded for one year. It began in January and will finish in December. And it's funded by the Lord Mayor's Charitable Foundation. 
Uh, the project aims to prevent homelessness in older people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. And how we do that is by providing information to specific communities in their language and in a way that um, is relevant to their community. And by doing so, we'll help to link people in with services that can help to prevent them from becoming homeless. All right. Um, could you tell us a bit about how the project developed or where the initial idea came from? So the initial idea came from uh, basically community education. So my colleague and I had been doing community education with all different communities for um, about two and a half years. And at some point we realised that we weren't really engaging with communities as much as we wanted to. So we'd present the information with an interpreter. And even though people came up to us after the after doing the session and said, oh, you know, I really need your help or um, I'm in this, you know, terrible situation, we found that people often didn't call the service or for some reason didn't come into our service for assistance. So um, we realised that we should really be approaching this in a way that better engages with the community and in a way that uses examples that are relevant to that community. All right. That sounds really great. Um, so, Gemma, you told me that community reference groups are an important part of developing the project. Can you explain what the reference groups do? So the reference groups are really central to the project. We wouldn't have a project without the reference groups. Basically, their role is to inform the way that we design community education sessions. So first of all, we need to get the language right. So we'll design some um, case studies and then those case studies will be translated and we'll bring that back to the group to have a look at the language to make sure that not only is the translation right, but is the way that we're saying things right. Um, I guess the most important part of the the community reference groups are informing us about the cultural um, background, the cultural relevance of the situations we're using for education sessions. So to use, um, Indy later is going to give an example of a case study that their group produced. So we need to use um, case studies that are you know, common to, to the community. There's no point us um, using a case study about somebody you know living... At, on their own in a private rental when that's a really not a common situation for people. So that's really important. Um, also, the community reference groups are sort of our into the community. So not only will they help us to de um, design the materials, but they'll also help us to access the community to make sure that um, the information gets to, you know, everywhere we can in the community. Great. Um, so, Indy, you're on one of the community reference groups for the project. Can you tell us uh, about what you've done so far as part of that group? Um, well, I uh, we had an introductory meeting uh, to discuss the cultural issues and the homelessness uh, within the community. All right. Um, and Gemma just mentioned the, the case studies that you've been working on. Can you describe one of the case studies that your group has developed? The case study we developed is a typical uh, uh, newly arrived couple, well settled in uh, in Melbourne, Victoria, uh, decided to uh, to um, get their parents uh, mm -hmm. over to to Australia, and uh, so they've applied for it. They arrived here. Everybody was happy. The family was happy. Uh, grandchildren were happy. Uh, and then parents realized that uh, the son was in debt because the parents just don't like their children to be in debt. So they end up selling a property back in India and uh, brought the money and said to their son, son, here, some money for you to reduce your debt. You know, we don't like to see you in debt. 
and life went on. Everybody was happy till some cracks started to appear. Because um, obviously, when new, when you arrive into the country, you know your values change, your thought processes change. But we forget that the parents or the grandparents' thought process is the is the same. And uh, obviously, you know, when you are just a family unit, you know, if you feel like cooking, you do cooking. If you feel like going out, you go out. But there was no consideration at that time till the parents arrived, where the parents had to be looked after as well. So when both couples are working. very difficult to manage the household as well so mm. that's where the argument started you know because uh, the husband or the wife you know the pretty tired didn't want to do cooking but parents there so they have to you know accommodate them mm. and eventually one day they decided uh, they were listening to the argument that the couple were having and mom realized that uh, there's a rift between you know my son and my daughter-in-law and they decided to you know intervene to listen you know we are here to help you support you so we can start making sure that there's you know food cooked and on the on the table for you you know at the end of the day and obviously that went on so they they were happy and till mom fell ill mm-hmm. so one day they realized that nothing was done no chores were done in the house house was dirty no food no nothing and argument started and then eventually they said look mom's not well so son actually was reluctant to to say to mom mom come on you know you need to do this for us you know we working for the family and all that mm-hmm. apparently uh when they realized mom was pretty sick and they end up decided to take her to the doctor and doctor sensed that uh, there was something wasn't right so he said to the son look you know your parents are old and how about if i come and visit uh, to your your home you know rather than you bringing them to the surgery son agreed and uh, so a few days later the doctor went to see them how they were they were so happy to see the doctor and uh, <clears throat> and he saw the happiness on their faces that you know somebody's came because they've been isolated without mm-hmm. any friends contact no nothing couldn't go out and uh, so doctor sensed that something was not right so he started talking to them how was your life here in australia you know are you happy how was your life back in india and they burst out in tears and then eventually you know they came out and said look we're not happy here and uh, we want to you know we want to you to help us to do something about it So doctors already experienced some of the similar cases so he prepared a report and he passed it on to Hag uh, for them to help at the same time he got permission from the parents saying look I am going to talk to your children about this you know you happy to us to do that they said yes we are happy we know that you do it in a in a nice way mm-hmm. so we don't want to lose our children or our grandchildren so that was a scenario that they also yeah. felt that it was a worrying factor for them that they come all this way no money now can't go back to india and how would they keep this family unit together and and be happy as they saw the happiness when they arrived here yeah. so the, the so it's a case is that hag is there to help them you know to find the win-win situation yeah. yeah i mean it's very interesting what you're saying because there are things about that that obviously apply to all kinds of people regardless of their background but there are the ways that it's playing out are specific to the community absolutely absolutely So do you think that uh that's a typical story? Look the it's not one size doesn't fit all. Yes it is because some if it's a newly couple mm-hmm. the situation would be different. Mm-hmm. If you got children the situation would be different. If they are you know they are um, uh, unemployed situation would be different but there would be a situation and uh, if they're renting situation would be different if they're just making ends meet situation would be different but you know when you look at the overall the picture the problem would be the same 
you know some would be big you know bigger magnitude some would be smaller you know and uh, but uh, when the parents come here they when they gauge the situation they won't know back home how their children actually are till they arrive here Mm-hmm. For some, there'll be happiness. For them, for others, it'll be a shock mm-hmm. to the condition our children are living in. You know, mm-hmm. and because uh, they won't know, because sometimes children don't tell their parents, you know, the situation <laughs> they are in in yes. this country yeah. until they arrive and see it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you think there are many people in your community who are at risk of homelessness? Look, it's hard to say because we haven't reached out to the, our community. Yeah. Because community is not; uh, they don't know what sort of uh, help is available to them. Once we reach out to them, there's a lot of legwork to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, you know, we need to reach out yeah. and explain to them in their own language, connect with them. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, because if you don't connect with them, they won't, one thing is they won't trust you. You know, mm-hmm. they, don't, they won't know how far you'll go to help them. Yeah. You know, whether it's a breakup of a family unit or to unite the family unit and, you know, find a win-win situation. So that's where the, our skill comes in, you know, and uh, HAG or any organization, they need to make sure that the right people are there who are connect, well connected with the community. Right. Um, and can I just ask, how did you get involved with the project? Look, I was very fortunate. I've been here 36 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, from day one, I met the right people mm-hmm. and to unite, unite the community because I belong to a Sikh community. Mm-hmm. And we sort of built this community from scratch mm-hmm. with a few hundred people. Yeah. And we, we rented a, you know, we bought a first church from church, we came to Blackman Sikh Temple, and that's where we built. Now we got six, seven Sikh temples. Right. You know. And so from day one, I'm, I'm very fortunate that mm-hmm. uh, I have been working with my community, you know, yeah. and I understand, you know, a lot of the things, you know, a lot of things you learn as you work with the community because the mm-hmm. situation changes. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, uh, I just find myself very lucky, you know, that uh, I'm happy that what I'm doing it it energizes me, you know, and it uh, still connects me with the community, you know. Well, that's great. Yeah. All right. So, Gemma, can you tell us a bit about how stories like the one that Indy described are going to be used in the project? So, basically, um, the stories like Indy, um, Indy describes will be used in community education sessions, which will be delivered by bilingual workers. So, by community education sessions, we mean there will be a group of seniors, for example, and a bilingual worker will come in and they'll sit down with the group and go through a case scenario similar to the one that Indy's described. And through that, through presenting that case scenario, um, there'll be a lot of questions raised. So for the bilingual worker might ask a question like, you know, how did the main character in this story feel? Where could that main character in this story have gone for help? Um, how might things have been different in India compared to how they might be in Australia? So through these questions, um, there's a lot of discussion in the group. And through that discussion, I guess it sort of it normalizes the situation for people. So people who might have been sort of in that situation at home maybe have never talked about it to their friends before. So it gives them an opportunity to talk about it, to raise it, to realize that there are options for them, but also um, to normalize that situation and those options within the community. All right. And I mean, what what sort of outcomes are you hoping to get out of the project? Um, so we're hoping that we'll double the number of people from each community that we're working with that will come to our service for assistance. Um, that's that's sort of the main outcome. And also, obviously, we're hoping, we're hoping to house a significant number of people as well as part of the project. All right. And is there anything that our listeners can do to support the project? Um, just a couple of things. If you are from 
one of the backgrounds that we're working with. So we're working with people from um, Chinese, South Indian, oh, sorry, South Asian, um, Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian and Arabic speaking. If you're from any of those communities and you work with seniors, we'd really like to get in touch with you. Uh, you can call us on 96547389. That's 96547389. And we can have a chat about how we can um, have a chat to your community about housing options um, for your community. Another option also, if you wanted to get involved, you could come along to the launch of our project. That's on the 22nd of April at 10.30 a.m., It's in the Purple Room at the Multicultural Hub, which is on 306 Elizabeth Street in Melbourne, close to the Queen Victoria Markets. Um, If you'd like to come along, we'd love to have you there. You can call 9654-7389 to RSVP. That's great. And just to be clear, HAG assists people from all kinds of cultural backgrounds, not just those four groups, but this, this particular project is focusing on those backgrounds. Um, thanks very much for coming in today, guys. Is there anything else that you want to add or throw in just to, to finish up? No, just I think we, thanks yeah, for your time. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been great being here. All right, it's been great hearing from you. Uh, we're going to go to a song right now. We're going to hear Heidi Everett with Red Brick Road. Rumination. 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Programme. Featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. All right, you're back on the Hag Show. Uh, just a couple of things to plug before we finish up for this week. Uh, Hag has made a film, a new film called Home at Last, and we're going to be launching that on April 16th at 11 a.m. at Ross House. The film tells, tells the story of five older people experiencing the threat of homelessness who were assisted by Hag's Home at Last service. That's 11 a.m., April 16 at Ross House, 247 Flinders Lane in the city, uh, very close to Flinders Street Station. Uh, And there'll be lunch provided, so please RSVP if you want to come along so we have the numbers right. Uh, It's 9654-7385 if you'd like to RSVP. Another film that you might be interested in is a feature-length documentary called Forced Out that's going to cover the Miller's Point struggles in New South Wales, which we've talked about a bit on the show. That's an inner-city suburb made up with with a large amount of public housing in it. Uh, very long-term tenancies, a lot of older renters there, and the New South Wales government has been forcing those tenants out to sell off uh, that public housing because the the land has become so valuable. A very important struggle and something we're likely to see a lot more of uh, in the future. So if you want to check it out, the documentary itself isn't available yet, but there's a pretty interesting preview for it that you can watch. Uh, If you go to YouTube and type in Forced Out, the documentary, you'll find it, and I reckon it's very much worth a look. Another event, depending on what happens with our funding and with our various meetings that are coming up, we've scheduled a protest rally for May 15th if the state government hasn't committed to refunding Home at Last. Could be the most important event in HAG's history, and the plan is to rally in front of the Minister for Housing and Disability and Ageing, Martin Foley's office, which is 50 Lonsdale Street, Melbourne, demanding real support for older people at risk of homelessness. Uh, We're asking people to bring a blanket as a symbol of homelessness and to wear red. That 
has been a change of date since I mentioned it last month, but it's now set for May 15th, unless the government comes through before then, which we all hope they will. Uh, so in the meantime, please keep up the pressure. There's more information on our website uh, about how you can do that, online petitions, letters to the minister, things of that nature. And I'll definitely have more information about that and about our funding situation and the sector in general on next month's show. Finally, uh, for now at least, Home at Last is still open for business. So if you are a Victorian over 55 and you need some housing assistance, whether the rent is too high, you've got a notice to vacate, the landlord won't do your repairs, or you just want some information to plan for the future, please give us a call on 1300 765 178. That's 1300 765 178. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, uh, or you can find us on 3CR at the same time next month. And I'm going to leave you now with a track. We're going to hear from uh, Joy Bell. This is Turn Up Your Radio.